Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a career development podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, looking to change your perspective, or just rediscover your why. I'm your host, Harsha Borolesa, and this podcast came about from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. In each episode, I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them about their career journey, their real life experiences, and to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you to take a fresh look at your career and assist you on your path to a more successful and fulfilling career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. They weren't just lucky. They invited it in. Something showed up and they allowed themselves to see it. Look at your career, like say Dory Clark does, as the long game. Nothing is created overnight. There are always things that you are picking up and you may not realize this at the time. It's about Mm -hmm. being curious and, Mm -hmm. and asking yourself, why do things have to be the way they are? Welcome to episode 26 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. This episode's format is slightly different as it marks the one year anniversary of the show. And I wanted to celebrate the wonderful guests and the insights that they have shared. I also wanted to thank the listeners and viewers of the show who have helped the podcast be listed by Feedspot at number 38 in the best 60 career podcasts on the internet and number eight in the best 20 UK career podcasts. Thank you so much. To help me on this episode, I'm delighted to be here with my great friend, Tammy Gula-Loeb. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Harsha. Congratulations. Thank you so much. You might recall Tammy from our amazing conversation on episode 12 of the show. Tammy is an executive and career coach, speaker, facilitator, and the founder and host of the Work From The Inside Out podcast and the author of the soon-to-be-published book of the same name, She is passionate about working with clients to achieve growth and deeper satisfaction in their careers and work relationships. Tammy brings over 25 years of professional experience to her work and is a certified professional coactive coach by the Coaches Training Institute and a graduate of the Coactive Space Leadership Program. She holds a BA in psychology from Hampshire College and an MBA from Boston University. Welcome, Tammy. Well, thank you, Harsha, and thank you for inviting me here to celebrate with you today. I am so excited to be here to share this special moment in time with you. I'm excited for all the success that you've had with your podcast, and it's well-deserved. It's a great show. You've had so many great guests, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful, engaging show that brings a lot of value to your audience. So congratulations. It's, it's so exciting. Well, so. Th- thanks so much, Tammy. And, and it's p- part of the reason why I got you on here is to be able to be so nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you didn't even have to pay me. I'm here. I'm here just because I want to be. Harsha, <laughs> are you going to, are you going to let me take, take the show now? Right? Yeah. You, you're, you're taking over Tammy. All right. So, Harsha, let's dig in and see what we can find out here. And one of the reasons why I was so encouraging to you about getting your podcast going and why I had you on my podcast 
as a guest was I thought you were a really interesting person. You had this amazing background, both as uh, a finance expert and professional, as a professional athlete. You had all of these interesting, this interesting expertise, these interesting experiences. And then you took this interest in, in personal development and wanted to develop that further. And you did it with, with such a open mind and open heart. Tell us where that came from. Thank, thanks so much, Tammy. So uh, the, the interest in personal development and performance development very much came from playing high-level sport from a, a, a young age. And my game was cricket. I had some talent and I was lucky enough to be selected for, to, for the junior teams of two of the professional teams in, in the UK, Middlesex and Essex. And I played for them from the under-11 sides to the under-19 sides. And I was actually lucky enough to get picked for a couple of second team matches, which is the lowest level of professional sport in cricket in the UK. And I actually got paid for one of them. So technically, I'm a professional athlete with a very short career. But the, the reason why I say this is that cricket is a very mentally demanding game, especially if you're a batter. That, that was my position. You only have one chance. And essentially, if you get out, that's it for the rest of the match. And generally, batters, they fail 60 to 70% of the time, uh, even, even if you're really good. So you always have to manage and deal with failure. And when, when I was young, and like a lot of young kids, uh, dealing with failure is just not easy. But I had to learn to be able to reframe that and put things into perspective. And, and it's funny, I had a guest, um, a, prof- a couple of professional cricketers on my podcast, and, and we were discussing this whole idea of failure. And, and actually, they were saying cricket is very much a game of managing failure. And I think you can take that into your uh, professional life as well, because, you know, say if you don't get the promotion, uh, you don't get the job, the, the interviews don't come through. You have to accept, look, that is the reality of the situation, but keep going. And I think for some people, it's quite hard if you've had a very linear career, you've done well at school, uh, done well at university, got that first job. And then when you hit that road bump, it's very difficult to, to reset, isn't it? It is. No, I think you, you bring it up. You bring up an excellent point. And, and also when you describe with, with a lot of warmth and a, a twinge of humor, you know, your, your tenure as a professional athlete, right? I love the way you say that because clearly you, you had a lot of talent, but I, I still admire, you know, the, the whole, the, the level and the amount of work and effort that it took the, the mental game, right. That it took to the mental process it took to get there. Right. And the whole concept of failure and how do you reconcile that in so many aspects of life, right, is an important one. The word failure is so heavy. There's so many other ways to frame and reset that as well, right? I don't know that we have a lot of good role models for how to do that other than to go through it ourselves. And I know that part of the interest in the, in the whole mental side of things with regard to cricket is a, you know, your experience with cricket was a great first experience probably with some of that. And I'm sure we all had experiences academically with those things as well, but I know that that also sparked your interest in neuroscience. And can you tell us a little bit about how that started to weave into your, your interests and your work? Oh yeah, no, totally. So about five or six years ago, Tammy, I 
uh, first, I, I, I went on this personal development course uh, on change management. And then that was the first time I'd come across the work of uh, Carol Dweck, and obviously mm-hmm. a great work on mindset. And also in the course, they talked about neuroplasticity and, and, and started giving an in, initial d- introduction into how the brain works and the idea that we can you know, uh, keep learning, uh, keep improving. And, and from that, I managed to go on a couple of lectures, um, in, in evening lectures in London. And I came across a neuroscientist called Do- Dr. Gabby Tolakita. And, you know, I just loved the work that she was doing. And, and the great thing about Gabia was that she managed to explain things in a very simple way. And I think that's a great skill. You might have knowledge, but if you can't mm. pass it on to people, it, it's just not, not good. So essentially, for the next couple of years, I, start, I started following her, all her lectures and workshops. And really, this was almost like a, a voyage of personal self-discovery. To, mm. to try and make myself the best version of myself. Because I think mm. with neuroscience, you can actually see the brain. And you know, there are things like uh, we, we look at the way we have evolved to some extent and the, the uh, dangers that we, we were facing, say, 10,000 years ago, like lions and tigers. Our brain has developed to um, recognize those. But actually, in the, in the current day, there are no uh, physical dangers really out there for, for most of us. So when we get triggered, um, say we go into work and our boss isn't nice to us, then uh, we, we react as if we were seeing, have the stress of danger. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a way of trying to understand yourself, understand the way you get triggered and try mm-hmm. to overcome those uh, situations. Because you know, you know how it is. We, we'd all like to tell our bosses sometimes um, where to go, but that's a very <laughs> career limiting mood. So you right. have to figure out. <laughs> so, so you just have to figure out a way of um, understanding yourself and regulating yourself. Yeah. So, so relating that also, though, I think to um, how we talked about cricket and I think, you know, athletics, um, wanting to improve ourselves. I think people started at maybe a younger age, you know, if they played some kind of sport, and there was a lot of pressure, you know, I think if we think about where did those things begin, right? And how did they almost get programmed into our brains in some way, whether it was pressure from uh, influential adults, parents, teachers, right? Uh, coaches, and then and then we went into the world of work. So I'm thinking about what we were talking about with cricket, and the mental side of that, uh, and I, I was a tennis player when I was younger, although I, I was not professional in any way, shape or form. But I know what you mean about the mental side of playing a sport and how much it's not just about, you know, how strong you are or whether you're skilled, but what is it? What's going on up here? Right. And so the interplay, when you look at the neuroscience and 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 your mindset, you look at all those things together and that does really Uh, give us a lot to think about and perspective. How are we going to conduct ourselves when we do go into the world of work, into our careers and develop ourselves professionally? So it's, and when you bring that all into perspective, as you started to do, uh, going to these lectures and really taking a, a deep dive into that, it really does give you something to work with that I think a lot of people, some people probably never do in their professional lives. Wouldn't you say? 
Oh, yeah, no, no, totally. I think sometimes they're very much concerned about the day-to-day tactical sort of thing. But I think if you can look at your career, you know, like, say, Dory Clark does, as the long yeah. game, and actually you have a lot more time than you think. And I think people get very discouraged about these small roadblocks. But if you can look at it as, okay, this is a long-term project, I'm going to take these small steps, then I think that makes um, such a difference. But but yeah. I think it's not just sport. I think um, yeah. sport is just one means. It, it could be that you're a great a dancer or you're a great mm-hmm. musician. And I think mm-hmm. anything where it requires a very concentrated, deep, focused work, mm-hmm. a, a number of these things, you know, whether it's discipline or concentration. Um, and, and I think it's a whole idea of, you know, why are you self-disciplined? It's very hard to just say, okay, Tammy, be self-disciplined. And they're like writing your book, get it out within a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you say to yourself, by being self-disciplined, I will get my book out by the launch date. You know, it's it's attaching the action or uh, the denial of pleasure to a bigger, your, your values or your longer term goal. Yeah, well, that reminds me actually of what my long-term goal or what I thought was a short-term goal originally when I started my podcast and how long it actually took for me to start it. And I'm, I'm curious about your podcast because that's what we're partially here to talk about, right? You started your podcast a year ago. And I'm curious, when did you first think about starting your podcast? And was it conceived initially as it, as it started And from that point, has it turned out to be what you thought it would be? Or where is it now as compared to what you thought it would be? That's a lot of questions all in one. (laughs) That's a great set of questions, Tammy, but I'll I'll try and deal with them. You remember Uh, them all? I've seen it. (laughs) This is a test, Harsha. I thought you should know. It's funny time because actually um, I, I started off trying to um, design and develop an app and this was ah, about right. two, two yeah. or three years ago. And, um, and the funny thing is I'm not technical at all, but what I said to myself is, look, you know, this is the 2010s. I really got to start getting with the program in terms of tech technology. So I, I, I set out to befriend some uh, technology people. And luckily I did. And one of them was designing an app. And I said, oh, that's really interesting. How do, how mm-hmm. do you do that? And, and I re- he, he showed me a, a program and I realized it wasn't as difficult as, as I th- thought it would be. Mm. Um, and there, there's a great uh, program called Figma, which helps you map, map things out. But essentially, what I, I had all this knowledge in neuroscience and psychology. And I was thinking, how do I share it? You know, because it would be quite nice to interact with other people who have that same interest. And I thought, oh, let, let's do an app. So for about two years, um, I've been trying to put this app together, and you know I've got to some extent. I've shown it to, uh, I've shown the the design to a few people, and and they've liked it. What I was thinking about was that it's much easier to try and uh, pass on your knowledge by doing something like a podcast or a YouTube channel. And I had actually um, recorded an interview with a friend, and this was last probably 2020 during lockdown when nobody had anything to do. That turned out quite well. And then yeah. I thought, okay, I'll try and get it started. And you know how it is, it takes time. You're trying to get all these various technical bits and pieces together. 
But then I think the really great thing is that I, I, I met you and you know, we had that conversation. And the amazing thing about that was that when you see somebody else, they, they can see something in you, which maybe you can't see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Then that gives you a, a sense of validation because you know, you know how it is. Most people, they're not sort of megalomaniacs or narcissists. And they don't think their life is actually that interesting or um, you know, wh- why does anybody want, really want to know about it? Mm-hmm. But I think when you meet people, and, and that's the feeling I got when I met you, Tammy, that you thought, oh, yeah, this is you know, quite an interesting story, quite mm-hmm. an interesting journey. And I think you asking me to be, appear on your podcast really mm-hmm. helped me to, to actually you know, pull the trigger and say, okay, I'm going to set myself a launch date. It's January, so whatever happens, I've just got to get it out. And actually, I think putting yourself under that pressure really does help to take action. Well, I am really glad you did because I have so enjoyed your interviews with people because not just the people that you've interviewed, but I love the way that you engage your guests with both uh, a warmth and a humor and a, and a genuine, you, your, your level of preparation and really understanding who they are as people and who they are professionally is extraordinary. I, I just have a world of respect for how you've gone about doing this. And I, I feel like I just sort of, sort of just tapped you on the shoulder and said, yeah, maybe you should do this. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I appreciate um, the way in which you said, you know, Tammy got me doing this, but really I, I give you all the credit because you, you were ready for it. And uh, I, I am still fascinated by all the different things that you did that led up to this. And I think that's the thing that, as you were just commenting on the long game and all the things that most of us have done to lead us to this moment, whatever moment we're at, we often don't give those things enough credit. Not that we should walk around every day saying, oh, all the things I've done led me to this very moment, you know, but, but to just really understand that nothing is created overnight. Even and Dory Clark herself says, you know, I'm a success in the making 10 years in the <laughs> making or something, right? You know, because it does, if you tell somebody's story in in 20 minutes, it looks like, oh my goodness, I could never do that because it looks like they did it, you know, in overnight. That's the purpose, I think, of being able to tell people's stories is to be able to unpack that a little bit and, and show how it developed over time or to show, you know, looking through those different lenses, the neuroscience lens or the mindset lens, and to show that. We're all humans, or as I say, you know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Nobody's any more special than anyone else. We all had to, you know, really take some steps to get where we are, to learn what we need to learn, to maybe trip over our own feet a little bit. But that's how we learn and how we grow, which is kind of fun. And I think that it's a really interesting point you make about your your journey, because there are always things that you are picking up and you may not realize this at the time. But it could be that you have an interest in something very random or very niche. But at, at some point in time, you might be speaking to uh, you know, a, a potential client or somebody you want to connect with. And the mm-hmm. fact that you have, um, say, you like the opera or the ballet or something very niche, and that mm-hmm. person likes that, 
then you can talk with authority. So it's amazing how you're, you're thinking about your life and you're thinking, okay, there are these elements which are very disparate. But actually being curious, I think, is very powerful. And I think that is something that is in both our sort of podcasts. It's about mm-hmm. being curious and, mm-hmm. and asking yourself, why do, why do things have to be the way they are? Absolutely. And I think that part of that curiosity is really how do you, it's, it really is a mindset. If you, if you don't stay curious, right, you're going to shut all the, you know, kind of shut all the curtains and you're, you're going to look through a very, very small lens and you're going to miss out on a lot of things, right? Totally. And, and this whole idea of sort of mindset and, and, and yeah. Carol Dweck, I think that's yeah. a theme that basically has pretty much run throughout the podcast. When, when I started this journey five or six years ago, I'd never come across, across her work. And you know, obviously some of it applies to children, but actually it can apply to anybody at any, any stage in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole, I you know, love this whole idea of growth, you know, fixed mindset and growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's really interesting when I speak to a lot of my guests, they, none of them have had a very smooth linear path. They've had their, their peaks and troughs, but they haven't let sort of failure put them off. And it's that whole idea of uh, not yet. Okay, mm-hmm. we, we, we may not have achieved what we want now. Maybe we haven't got the job we want or that interview hasn't gone well or that piece of work isn't great. But mm-hmm. okay, in the future, it will turn out. Hopefully, and I don't think you can be delusional about if you don't put in the work, if you don't try, then things are not, you can't just stay at home and things will work out. You have to put in the hard work and the grind. But I think right. if you keep doing that, eventually things will go in, in your way to, to some extent. Right. And I think you can't always decide ahead of time what going your way means or what it looks like, because it can change depending on what point you're at in your life, in your life cycle, so to speak. What going your way looks like in your 20s might look very different in your 40s or your 50s. Having been through all of those decades already, I, I can speak to that. <laughs> But but also that, um, <laughs> you know, that that, you know, your mindset may change. I think, though, that the whole piece about curiosity means that you're inviting, you're staying open to things. One of the things that I hear a lot of people say when they look at somebody else's experience, right, and they're not they don't have that mindset of the long game as we keep talking about. How can we not keep talking about our friend Dory Clark? And, and her book, The Long Game, because we love that book. It's her fourth book. And we, we really appreciate the perspective she's bringing. Right. But there's another piece in there that I think is important um, that, that I hear people say all the time when they see somebody who, let's say, came a, a, upon an opportunity and it looks like it just landed in their lap. Right. And yet we know that that person had an open and curious mindset, or they are what they call a lifelong learner, or they're just one of those people who's always curious. And yet they're also one of those people who always seems to be successful at whatever they do. And it's so easy to, to not look at all the spaces in between where things didn't go well, or something was disappointing. And people say, oh, they were just lucky. They were just lucky. And I always, especially lately, I'll say, there's no such thing. They weren't just lucky. They invited it in. Something showed up 
and they allowed themselves to see it. Because I've also seen people who have similar good fortune that crosses their path and it could be right here in front of them and they don't even see it because their mindset isn't lined up in the same way or they're not as curious. They just haven't, they haven't had that mindset there. What do you, what do you think about that, Harsha? I totally agree, Tammy. And one thing that has really driven you know, this journey is this whole idea of luck or recognizing uh, those fortuitous moments. And yeah. I love the work of Christian Bush, who's one of my mm, very early yeah. guests. And he uh, talks about this in his book, The Serendipity Mindset. And it's about strategies for almost trying to create luck. And, and it's really about being aware of all your interactions and thinking, yeah. okay, can this potentially be, and, and not, not doing this in a transactional way, but thinking, okay, right. looking at the story, can I help that person? Can we do something together? I didn't know Christian until literally two years ago, and I was uh-huh. watching YouTube during lockdown, and a video came up with Christian talking about his book. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting. It really aligns with the way I, I've lived my life to some extent. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, um, it's lockdown. I'm sure Christian doesn't have anything better to do. So I hit, hit him up on, on LinkedIn. And, uh-huh. he, and he actually replied, which was really uh-huh. nice of him. And yeah. then I, ma- I managed to get him on a webinar that I was doing. And then that, that went quite well. And then he appeared to uh, uh, be on my podcast. And, and the really nice thing about Christian was I, I had him down as episode number one. So he was going to be the launch guest because you know how it is. It's nice to have a, a well-known launch yeah. guest. Yeah. But then the neuroscientist, Gabby, Dr. Gabby Tolikita, she had a book out at the same time. And, and she actually um, contacted me. I'd been trying to get hold of her. And she said, oh, uh, can I appear on your podcast? And, and Christian was very nice. He stepped aside and you know, he went to episode number two and Gabby was number one. So it's, it's, it's amazing. I think if you're a good person, good things happen. And his book has done phenomenally well. And, and you don't have to be sharp elbowed to get you know, ahead in life. Um, yeah, his book had been out f- uh, you know, for a little while. So it was very nice of him. Other people may not have been so nice, but he was very gracious and stepped aside. But but I I think the other interesting point about luck is that it's very much a a numbers game because, you know, for every Christian Bush, there are 10 people who, you know, and you know how it is. You contact people to appear Mm -hmm. on your podcast. You do the research. You think you almost have them as a guest. And then for whatever reason, it it goes away. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think people actually have to look at the reality of the situation because, yeah. you know, they, they maybe see uh, your hundred plus episodes or the, you know, the success that, that I've had mm-hmm. and they think, Oh yeah, that's, it's lucky, but there's a lot of grind behind it. A lot of disappointment. And, mm-hmm. and, and one of my other guests, um, Emily West was talking to me about this saying that people look at um, say Jeff Bezos or, you know, people who've done incredibly well in their lives and think I'd like to be like that. And obviously he's had some luck. But the work that he's put in, you just don't know. You don't know about the disappointments that he's faced. And I mm-hmm. remember one time, you know, pre, well, pre-pandemic, when, say, the internet bubble was happening in the, the crisis, people were mm-hmm. looking at him and thinking, Amazon is just not going to survive. And now it's, you know, this huge, massive company. You can't just look at the story in one point in time. You have to mm-hmm. look at the whole arc. Oh, I, I totally agree. And in fact, what, what comes to mind is your talking about that is the whole notion of how do we define success? How do we define it for ourselves? How do we see it when we look at other people? So if we talk about someone like Jeff Bezos, right? 
he built a huge company that's enormously successful. Now, that's one definition of success. I think about one of my podcast guests, uh, a, a man named Jay Vogt, who started a consulting practice at the age of 27. And who calls himself a consultant at 27, right? It's like, what does he know at 27, right? Well, he did. But, you know, consulting can look like a lot of different things. He just knew he needed to go out on his own at that age, or he thought he didn't really know anything at that age. He just went out on his own. But he could have been, you know, probably by the age of 30, getting on planes, crossing, you know, uh, time zones and doing all these things, right? Making gobs of money as a consultant. He had started a family and he wanted to be home at the dinner table every night. And he decided he was going to form his consulting company or his one person consulting company as kind of more based on kind of the style of a country doctor. He was going to be local and he was going to form all of his clientele traveling within one day from home because he wanted to be at home at the dinner table with his family every night. And he has not only built a very robust consulting business, every few years, he and his wife take a sabbatical of several months and he puts his consulting business aside and, and goes to Mexico where he has a second home and he spends a few months in Mexico. And people told him, you're going to kill your business. You're going to lose all your clients. The, you know, that's the kiss of death. Well, guess what? His clients all admired him for doing that. And they waited for him. So, you know, all the rules that we we set for ourselves, all the things that we tell ourselves, how things should be, what success should look like. Jay basically stepped into his life according to his own values, provided full value for his clients, found the clients who really were aligned with, you know, not just his values, but where he could provide full value to them in, according to their you know, their own trajectories. And he's been doing this for, gosh, it's almost 40 years now. You know, when you think about that, he really didn't limit himself to anything. But a lot of other people might say, look at how he limited himself, right? Not at all. In fact, he, I wrote about him in my book and I said, I want to have you back and let's do a, you know, kind of a, an, an author and, uh, you know, talk about your story. I want to do an author talk. He said, well, I'm going to Mexico for a few months, so we'll have to do it in the spring. I'm like, hey, <laughs> all power to you. So, you know, when you think about those kinds of things and the, the framework, talk about mindset, right? And how we limit our beliefs about what success should or shouldn't be, right? It's, uh, it's amazing how we can start to run our lives. I think about, and in particular, I think about people who are consultants, who are those people getting on those planes, you know, every every Sunday night or Monday morning and don't see their families all week. Now, I'm not criticizing that because for some people that works beautifully. But I also know all those stories of those people who have gotten on those planes and have a heart attack and never get to retire and enjoy those years or, you know, or or end up having getting going into divorces and all the other things that happen or who really don't enjoy what they're doing for work. So, you know, what is it that we describe to ourselves as success and what are we reaching for, right? You know, it, it's really a matter of perspective once again, right? 
I totally agree. And everybody's unique. And I think that the, the interesting thing about you know, both our shows and, and the, a lot of podcasters out there is that we're not trying to say that this is a one size fits all recipe oh. for success. Yeah. It, it's just that these are these ideas, these are these potential tools out there. Consider mm-hmm. it, think, you know, are these going to work for you? Some mm-hmm. may work, some, some may not. I think it's about empowerment and trying to empower you know, our listeners and the people who, who like our content and say, look, actually the power to some extent is within you. It's about taking these things on board, not being stuck by your limiting beliefs. Because right. I think a lot of times people have these things drilled into them. And they're not creative. Um, they're not good at writing. They, they can't produce content. But actually, I think with, with a lot of stuff, if you do something more and more, you'll get better. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I look at the, the, the work that I did at the beginning with, with the podcast, mm-hmm. and I think definitely there's a progression in terms of uh, the way I, I come across. Hopefully, I'm better than episode one. Um, and, and I think that's purely because you're doing something a, a number of times. That obviously, yes. on, on, on episode one, you're nervous. You don't have much confidence. Um, but actually, once you've done it 30, 40, 50 times, it, it becomes a lot better. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's funny, Tanya, because I was I was emceeing a QA and a um, and this was about uh, two months ago um, yeah. with, with quite a, uh, a relatively well-known uh, sportsman. And then uh, and it, and it went really well. And then after somebody came up to me and said, oh, my God, I didn't realize you, you and this person were really good friends. And I said, well, actually, I just met him this evening and we had a nice <laughs> conversation at dinner. But, but it, in a way, it's that whole idea of trying to um, – build a relationship, build some yeah. rapport, throw in a few jokes a la Tammy Gulalo. Yeah, and just keep it lighthearted and not, and yeah. not take things too seriously. So it, it's yeah. funny how you can always, you know, learn these things. And, and actually, I think when you do execute and, and try and get go outside your comfort zone, then actually you break through these limiting beliefs. I do. And I think that your podcast and mine both offer people a way of reframing and resetting. (laughs) I love the title of your podcast. I wish I wish I had thought about it before you did. I could have used it because I love it. (laughs) I would steal it, but I can't. But I do think it's it, it really does speak to to what we're trying to encourage people to do is we're not we're not trying to tell people think this way, think that way. What we're saying is just stop and think, just stop and think about it. Do you, do you have what you want? Is it working for you? And if not, you know, be true to yourself, reframe, reset what you need to. There is not one definition of success. You may have a definition of success or a definition of how you should be going about what you want to achieve all these years of your life that you, you wake up one day and you say, you know what, this isn't what I want at all. And so, you know what, you can change it if you want. And you can listen to our podcasts and listen to all these amazing, you know, experts and other stories of other people who can tell you about their lives and, and, and learn through the lens of their stories. It's, it's really, it's such a rich um, and fertile ground for just reflecting on your own experiences and to see that, you know, you're not, you're not the only one who's, you know, tripped over a curb here or there or, or found your way, you know, to a new place. 
and and then maybe discovered it wasn't the right place. So you keep looking. I just love reframe and reset. That's just that really captures it beautifully. It really does. I wanted to also ask you, there's a couple of words that I see coming out a lot lately that I think also relate to both of our podcasts and the work we've been doing and that I think is particularly pertinent now with with you know us being in the still in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, even though we thought we'd be beyond it all by now, this notion of sort of adaptability and resilience and, and adaptability seems to be something that we're all having to deal with quite a bit, given that our lives have required it of us even more than we ever imagined. Obviously, during the pandemic, we've all experienced fear, uncertainty, um, and, and on a very sort of visceral basis, because yeah, up to now, it, it's been uncertainty about you know being able to pay the bills. I think that's or losing your job. That's probably been the worst thing. But now this is a real health issue, and I yeah. think a lot of people, including myself, I remember you know when it first happened, you're freaking out because you don't know how virulent this thing is. If I get it, am I going to die? There are no vaccines. There's nothing else. But but I think sort of going forward, there's almost going to be more uncertainty rather than less. Um, you think of the global financial crisis, it's a once in a generational thing, global warming, now you've got pandemics. And I think it's those people who can be adaptable, um, you know, look at the situation and think, okay, this is hard, this is difficult, but we're going to find a way of trying to get through it and almost trying to sort of future-proof our careers. And, mm-hmm. and this is a theme I've seen in a lot of, of my guests, Diana Wu David, yeah. Jeff Goldhealth, yeah. Jonathan Brill. It's really trying to think, okay, the future is uncertain, but we can create a framework to try and get around it. And, and I think it's those people who can figure out how, how they can take their skills and apply them in, in a different way, maybe a, a more of an online presence. You just have to be flexible and adaptable. And, and it's this idea of creativity coming up with new novel solutions. Yeah. Because I think sometimes if you're really focused on a problem, the ideas will, or the solutions will just come to you. But I think mm-hmm. you have to put the work in. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure it must be like you when you're looking for say, potential podcast guests, because you're always mm-hmm. thinking, oh, um, th- this is my show. These are the broad parameters. So if you meet somebody new, you think, oh, that, that person might fit in well with my show. But, mm-hmm. yeah, and, but it just comes to you. It's not as if you're mm-hmm. thinking too much about it. So I, I just find that fascinating this whole idea of creativity and adaptability you you hit a you hit a real nail on the head there in terms of the notion that you know if you think about things that just come to you right i can imagine some people hearing that and saying just come to you really really and i would say yes really you have to stay open though you have to stay open to that it's like what we talked about with luck it's like sometimes it's just staring you in the face a big piece of that, I think, is, and this is where, you know, the, the sort of inside out thinking is for me with my podcast, with my book also, you have to listen. You have to listen to what what's the narrative inside telling you about what's possible. It doesn't mean that what's possible is exactly what's going to happen because none of us has a crystal ball, right? I think the other key to that, and and this is a thread that's run throughout your podcast, and and I think everything you've done in your life, myself as well. We didn't do any of this alone. We don't, you know, when you say like, 
oh, it just came to me. Yeah, it came to me, but you know, it came to me as a result of I have conversations with people. I engage with the world. I'm not living in my own little box with a lid on it. It's a part of how do we participate in our lives, in the world? Do we listen to other people? Do we engage? Do we notice things outside of ourselves? And then do we notice how we're responding to that from within? And that includes the whole neuroscience piece as well. How are we responding to the external world and how is that impacting us? Does it sit well with us? Doesn't it? And then what does that bring about? Are we just letting ourselves sort of sit and notice things and let it process over time? That's also part of the long game as well, is not just the actions we take, but how do we just let things come to the surface? And then how do we respond to them? It's not always about taking action. It's also about just letting it come to the surface and then making thoughtful decisions, not just jumping on it, right? Oh, yeah, no, totally. And, and I, I think as you're saying, being curious, conduct these small experiments. And it mm -hmm. could be that it, it does work out. It could be that it doesn't. So I remember right. when I, I was thinking about uh, starting the YouTube channel, I thought, look, I know nothing about YouTube. And, and we will have our worries. We'll think, oh, people will be abusive and say nasty things. But, <laughs> but, I, but you know, who, who cares? I think if you're... Um, if the fundamental reason for starting something is to try and share information, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I thought, okay, let's start it, share a few videos. And it, and it was quite popular. Um, mm. Unfortunately, not sort of in the millions of views, but you know, popular in terms of my, my niche. And I think that's really important to just try these small things. It might work, it might not work, but just don't get put off by the whole process if th things don't work. And, and, and I think it's that whole idea of um, failure, as we were talking about before. How do you deal with failure? And mm -hmm. I think it's so important to be, I think, resilient in your journey because, you know, we are all going to hit uh, roadblocks. There are always mm -hmm. going to be problems in our lives. But I mm -hmm. think it's very much about how you respond and mm -hmm. um, move forward. Yes. Um, yeah. And not, not just be completely depressed. I've had one uh, piece of adversity. I've had one setback. I'll just give up. Yeah, I see a lot of that, especially in the last couple of years. But I, I can one thing that I I point to whenever I am talking to somebody who's been feeling a little stuck, let's say, and I'll I'll just sort of tell them, let's let's pause for a moment. Let's say, what do we have control over and what don't we have control over? So let's look at the things we do have control over. And the moment we start to look through that lens, I can see their shoulders going down and they start to feel more empowered. And the minute we look there, we are much, much in a much better space to then start to think more creatively and think more openly. But I think what, what some people tend to do is they, they focus on the things they don't have control over. And that's when the walls start closing in and it, and it leaves them feeling less creative. And so it's like you starting the YouTube channel, right? If you started thinking about all the, the nasty things people could say, I just can't imagine what they would say. But that's a that's a good reason not to do it. Right. It, it's a bold move to to put yourself out there on YouTube only because 
there's, there's a huge learning curve, right? There's, I, I know I've been struggling with it myself, so you're going to be my tutor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also know it's a great platform to reach a lot of people and to help a lot of people. So you could say, well, let me make it all about me and worry about all the things that could happen to me. Or you can say, you can reset and reframe and say, look at all the people I can try to help and and share some great stories and and put some good information out into the world, right? And I love this point you make about control because I think uh, that that's something that is very important to you know the work that we're doing and your work um, yeah. is really thinking about what you can control and, and what you can't. And that's I think true. there's much more that we can control the, yeah, than yeah. not. Um, right. You know, say if you're looking for a job have a process, um, yes. make sure that every day you're sending out some emails, you're connecting with people on LinkedIn. And I think yes. that whole thing of taking action, it definitely does break some almost negativity in your mind because yes. then you think, okay, I've achieved this small thing. Uh, hopefully then I can do something slightly bigger. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think even you know, when you're at work, you sometimes feel quite powerless, but actually um, you can go out and try and get onto the the right projects or try and have a conversation with your boss. And, and we're not saying, look, all our bosses are going to be uh, straightforward and it's going to be easy to deal with them, but it's much better to try and take the bull by the horns and have a conversation because then I think it, it, it shows you whether potentially you have a long-term future there because yeah. look, we've all had bosses who aren't great, but you know, you, you always think, Oh, it can change. Maybe he or she will like me eventually, but it could be <laughs> sometimes it's just not going to happen. And nope. it's much better to realize the reality of that and then start thinking, okay, I've got six months, one year to start planning for the next uh, job and almost reverse engineer. How yeah. do I get from here to that new job? Because I think right. sometimes if you feel in this very negative mindset, um, you know, and I'm sure we've all come across people who uh, they've been in their jobs for you know, maybe too long and they're just not in a good space. If yeah. they go out and they interview at that point, they'll just come across horribly, won't they? Because there's yeah. no um, enthusiasm and no joy for life. You know, I'm smiling because I'm thinking about, again, you know, I feel like we're repeating ourselves, but yet I think we have to, because I think it's so easy for people to want to go from point A to point Z rather than really walking through the entire alphabet. There are a lot of very small steps that seem very simple and may not even seem relatable to what you're trying to accomplish that can actually make a difference. I'm going to tell you a very quick, small story that uh, my daughter just told me yesterday. So my daughter is, is, is 27 and she is a manager in HR. She works for a company, an international company, 300 employees. It's, it's, it's a startup-y kind of environment. She's in the New York office and the CEO kept showing up at work. He rides his scooter to work in New York City, right? Which you take your life in your hands right there, right? But she said he kept showing up without wearing a helmet. And she's, she's grown up in a family where you wear a helmet, you ride a bike, you wear a helmet, right? Yeah, so he showed up one day riding the scooter in and she just casually said to him, I can't believe she did this. Actually. She said, where's your helmet? <laughs> and I don't know what he said to her, but she said he showed up another day at work 
on the scooter and she just said, hey, where's your helmet? (laughs) So the third day he showed up at work, he had his helmet and he said to her, listen, I went into the closet. I dug in and I found my helmet because there's no way I was going to show up at work a third time and have you ask me where my helmet was, (laughs) you know, and she's, you know, and she didn't realize she had an impact, you know, she just, it was just a natural, she's kind of a maternal person in her own way. And she was just caring about his head. And she was, she wasn't trying to boss the boss around. She was just like, Hey, where's your helmet? And he was like, I'm not going to be humiliated again with this manager asking me about where my helmet is. I'm going to. So he showed up with his helmet. I just but I love that story because you never know where you might have a little bit of an impact about something that had nothing to do with work. Right. She just cared about his safety. And and he had he didn't have so much of an ego that he didn't mind that she asked him about that. But I thought. These are the little things. Now, who knows where that kind of, you know, her just being outgoing enough to say something to him that could that could spark a relationship that could bring have him bring her into a meeting or, you know, you never know when those kinds of things. And she didn't do it with any intention to say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to show the boss I mean business about safety or anything. She just was off the top of her head. Where's your helmet? But I love that story because who knows where something like that could go, but she was just being herself. And I think that's, that's one of the pieces about this whole notion of taking things step by step. You don't have to overthink it. Just, just as we say very tritely, just be yourself, see what happens. And I love that point about just being nice because actually it doesn't cost very much at all, but the potential payoffs can be huge. Right. And I think when you overthink things, you get in your own way. Don't write the story before it happens. It's this whole idea of being open to opportunities. People are very fixed about, they have this very linear path. They have to hit these milestones at particular points in time. And then they become very frustrated and they think, oh, life has dealt me a a bad hand. But actually it could be that life is telling you, maybe this isn't the right path for you. Maybe think about pivoting in another direction. And Mm -hmm. and we're not saying, I think, go for the path of least resistance, no. But I think sometimes the universe is telling you something. Look, with your be honest about your skill set and say, look, what is it that you like doing, and mm-hmm. go off in that uh, tangent. Um, yeah. I remember speaking to um, our friend, you know, uh, Dr. Ruth Gautian, and, uh. and and she was saying how she started off in finance, but realized, look, this isn't really for her, and yeah. then she went on to uh, you know, education and higher learning, and look how her career has turned out in a really stellar sort of way. So I think it's all about being open to opportunities and thinking, okay, how can I best um, manage my career in a particular way? We're not saying that it's easy, that it's easy to reframe and reset. You have, it's a conscious process, right? It's, we, these are things that take practice. You know, it's, it's like when we were talking about a little while ago about what do you do in your youth? Um, you know, you're learning, you're learning a musical instrument. You know, how many of us cried over, you know, oh, my mother's making me practice again, you know, practice, 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 right? 
whatever it is you're trying to learn, there, there is a part of it where you have to remind yourself and it, it can feel like hard work. It can feel like a very conscious effort. It can feel unnatural to try to be yourself even, right? Because sometimes we've been almost groomed. We're not almost, we've been groomed to live as if we are living to some external set of standards or values rather than being trained to listen to a more internal or intuitive voice, right? And I think what we're telling people here is, no, no, listen to what you're really telling yourself rather than what everybody else is telling you the picture of successes or what the rules are. But it, it, it can be very difficult, even though we're saying, oh, just, you know, just be open and curious, you know, just do it. Yeah, no, no, totally. Right. So one, one, one thing I think, Tammy, that I'd also like to talk about is this yeah. whole idea of the uh, Stockdale paradox, which yes. I think it's it, it sort of slightly new to you, but it came out of that um, uh, book by Jim Collins, Good to Great. Yes. And uh, there is a, a Admiral James Stockdale. He was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And he was asked by people, you know, who is it the people who actually succeeded um, or, or, uh, in, in, the, in the prison of war camp? Was it the optimist or the, or the pessimist? Mm -hmm. And surprisingly enough, he said it was a pessimist because they were able to look at the reality of the situation. They were being tortured every day, treated very badly. So I think it's about looking at the reality of your current situation, but also thinking, okay, there is potentially a way out of this. And mm -hmm. it's very sort of counterintuitive and contradictory, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I, I just find that quite fascinating. And a number of guests have, have talked to me about that idea of the, the Stockdale mm -hmm. paradox on my uh, podcast, like uh, mm -hmm. Deb Rubin and uh, Jamie Cox. And I just mm -hmm. think that's a really interesting concept, which I hadn't re really come across till I saw somebody talking about it on YouTube. I like, I love the idea of paradox because I think it, it gets us thinking and it gets us to think outside of our normal frames. Like, oh, we have to be positive about everything. Life is full of that kind of thing. But I like, and the context of being a prisoner of war really brings it to home. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up. I'm going to actually read up on that a little bit more because I really appreciate that because you can only imagine the perspective that he brings to that in, in such a dire situation to say, no, 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 it's not the optimist that actually brought the most effective approach to a situation like that. So there's a lot of learning there, definitely. And Tammy, um, I'd love to hear a bit more about your book and, and the process uh, as we're coming up to the end of our, our session. Sure. The book will be coming out on January 25th, 2022. It'll be available for pre-sale before that. Um, this has been a real talk about a long game. It's been a really fun process talking about process. It's called Work from the Inside Out because it profiles 22 people who each in their own way navigated different kinds of career transitions throughout their careers. So most of these stories are about people who went through a variety of career transitions each of them had set an example for dispelling different kinds of, I think, myths about what it takes to have a fulfilling and meaningful career. The underlying theme throughout the book is fear. Now, not to say that everybody runs through fear, but I think a lot of people make decisions about their careers or hold themselves back in their careers based on some underlying fear, such as it's too late. 
I'm too old to go back to school. It's too late to make a change. Or as we already spoke about, they have a certain definition of success. And well, success doesn't look like that. Or I need to make a certain amount of money. I I have responsibilities. I couldn't possibly make a change right now. I have a mortgage or I have five children or, you know, there are people depending on me if I make a change you know, they, they think they have a crystal ball that it's not going to work out in some way. Or people think that, you know, careers are formed in some sort of straight line. Oh, I couldn't possibly jump off that ladder of success because I'm working my way up some kind of corporate ladder. And if I deviate or color outside the lines, I won't be on that success path anymore. You know, it really shows, really illustrates through stories all the different ways people have found their way to their own definition of success on and off, because it also tells all the stories of all the things that didn't go well. And it also demonstrates all the different ways that people have found their way to finding careers that are meaningful, uh, fulfilling, and satisfying. My point throughout the book isn't to say, you too should do things the way these people did it, as much as to say, Just allow yourself to just look through the lens of this other person and see what it inspires in you from your own experience, not to duplicate what they did, but just as a point of inspiration. Most of the stories in the book are from people I interviewed on my podcast. Dory Clark is one of the stories in the book. Uh, Jay Vogt, who I talked about a moment ago, the the country doctor uh, style consultant is one of the other stories. It just addresses a lot of the things that I've noticed in being a career and executive coach for the last 20 plus years. So there's a lot of narrative in there about my ideas about how do you work your way through and then using these folks' stories to illustrate those points. I also include in the book some uh, thought-provoking questions to get the reader thinking about how they can reflect on themselves and their their lives and their uh, professional experiences. And then I also offer up some activities and things that they can do themselves to try to help them get to the next steps. I also created an extensive resources section in the back of the book that includes a lot of resources like books and podcasts. Let's see whose podcast is in the back of the book. Oh, oh, yours is actually. (laughs) So that people have resources and places to go to help them think these things through. So I'm hoping that the book will be a resource to people to get them thinking and to find their way towards something that's going to bring about more meaning, satisfaction and fulfillment in their careers. I'm hoping that the book is it's not a reflection of me personally. It's it's something I want people to reflect on for themselves. I'm excited to put it out there. It's a little nerve wracking too, a little bit to put a book out to the world. It's like what you said about going out onto YouTube. You know, it's like, what are they going to say? <laughs> it's been something I've been doing for about two years. I, I will also say the adventure of really taking a deep dive into myself as a writer has been wonderful, exciting, and and really satisfying. And I, I'm looking forward to doing more writing in the coming years as well. So I feel really good about it. Now I'm learning all about how do you put a book together and get it it's self-published. 
I'm uh, working very closely with our friend and colleague, Jenny Lisk, who also is a published author. She's been literally showing me the ropes every piece, every step of the way. I'm learning so much. Who knew that in my early 60s, yes, I am. Yes, You're I looking am. well, Tommy. Looking well. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Zoom, Zoom helps a whole lot. That I could learn so much. I have you know, a ton of friends right now who are looking towards retirement, and I'm looking at them and going, nope, I got a lot to do. I'm, I'm putting a book out, probably going to put another book out and really just, I want to see more happy people at work. I, you know, we, we see the Gallup polls around employee engagement. We've got about, um, I believe that the statistics are very high across the world, but especially in the U S we've got a very unhappy bunch of employees out there. We need to shift that. And I want to be a part of shifting that. I'm excited for you, Tammy. And I, I've read the book, lo- loved it. And looking forward to buying buying my copy when it comes out. So excited for you. And, and just the process, I think, of getting it out there because obviously you've created the content, but now it's very much in that marketing phase, isn't it? Trying to connect with people, getting on podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yes. I mean, just just really trying to get the word out about what's inside the book and different ways of looking at how you can find your way. And it really is about this whole notion of inside out. What does that mean? You know, it's, a, it's an expression. There's other, there's other books out there called, you know, success from the inside out leadership from actually, I know the person who wrote <laughs> leadership from the inside out. I had him on the podcast. You know, what does that mean inside out? It means listen to your intuition, listen. And yes, you all have intuition. We all have it but we don't always listen to it or we all, we don't always believe we have it, but listening to that inside internal voice within yourself that really does know you and, and follow that. It it reminds me of um, the book um, blink by Malcolm Gladwell, right? Where he, he points to all the research that says that more often than not our gut responses to things, our gut instincts are often our best responses to things, not these long drawn out, well thought out analyses. Now that has nothing to do with the long game. That's a very different thing. When we're talking about the long game, we're not talking about long analyses as in the long game. The long game is just taking things step by step, trial and error, trying things, learning along the way, not just doing some paralysis and you know analysis paralysis and doing nothing until you think you have it all figured out. I, I think that if we could just stop and listen to our own selves a little bit more and block out some of the noise and even some of the the voices in our heads that uh, of well-intentioned people who told us what was good for us all these years, it's not to say that there isn't va- valid um, information there. But if we could just listen to our own selves first, that's going to take us to the places we really need to go. And that's what Inside Out is about. Yeah, I think that's a great summary of your book. And yeah, really looking forward to, uh, for you and excited that you get it out into the world. So yeah, amazing. And, and Tammy, I'll make sure all your uh, contact details, um, how to get the book, all of that stuff is in the show notes. Um, but you. yeah, looking forward to being part of your book launch teams. So. Oh, Harsha, <laughs> you got you. Um, 
I'm going to put you to work. <laughs> Happy to do it, Tommy. But um, th- thank you so much uh, once again, Tommy, for uh, taking over as the host of the show today. Uh, very much appreciated. Loved our conversation. I think we both came up with some yeah, great, great points. And yeah, I just wish you uh, all the best for 2022 and the coming year. And uh, um, once again, thanks for your part in getting the podcast launched. Well. Thank you for uh, honoring me to share your one-year anniversary and congratulations on all the well-deserved accolades you've been getting for uh, your podcast, because it really is offering people tremendous value and and content. And I, I really look forward to seeing what you're going to be up to in 2022. And I wish you all the best. And I I really cherish our friendship and, or as one of my daughter's friends says that we are, we are frolics, we are <laughs> colleagues and friends. So I cherish our frolicship. <laughs> I had to end on something corny <laughs> like that. <laughs> Very good. All right, t- Tommy, th- thanks so much and uh, see you uh, soon. Yes. Take care. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such an enjoyable interview. If you would like to listen to more episodes, then please consider subscribing to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers, and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Stay safe and look after yourself. I hope you will join me again in the future.